This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 99, where we are looking at Iron Fist, season 1, episode 10, Black Tiger Steals Heart. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to this episode of Defenders TV Podcast, episode 99, where we are looking at episode 10 of Iron Fist, season 1, Black Tiger Steals Heart. I am one of your hosts, John. I'm your other host, Derek. And rounding out the group, I'm the one and only Siri. <laughs> Sorry, we're actually, for, for uh, long-time listeners, you'll get that, new-time listeners, hey, I'm Chris. Welcome, Chris. Welcome back. You are you, also sir. a fellow defender. Did you see what I did there? I used our poll results and implemented them in a project management style. Very impressive. Very impressive. Yes, Chris put up the poll on uh, on the Facebook group, which you mentioned a couple of episodes ago, uh, to rename our uh, our listeners. Um, yeah, how did, how did it go, Chris? How did the poll go? So, a, a staggering 19 of you did vote on uh, fellow defenders coming in Second place, if you want to call it that, we had the Golden Handshakers. Yay! <laughs> I like that. And that was then me. For our third place, uh, tied for third, we had Fender Benders and Iron Fisters. <laughs> and a fourth place, we had the Defended. But, fellow Defenders, you have voted with your clicks. So we are now the fellow. You are all the fellow Defenders. We are the fellow Defenders. We are all Defenders of the fellow. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. You voted. It's a good way. We can stick with it now. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think uh, one of my personal favourites was uh, the Iron Fisters. And um, also, I did like uh, the Rusty Foots as well. Um, (laughs) That was quite good. Yeah. I I must say, I like those now. And of course, the Golden Handshakers. I mean, that was getting the hand in there as well. Mm -hmm. I'm very very impressed. I'm very glad that we ended off with Fellow Defenders, to be honest, because we are almost at the end of season one of Iron Fist. So it wouldn't have worked very long if we went for something like the rusty feet uh, or the rusty foot i think was the uh, was the option so it would have worked for very long when we get into defenders and when we get it back into daredevil next season so um or jessica jones or luke cage but fellow defenders works really well i'm wondering why defenders ended off as low as it did i think it only got one vote i think that was a spelling mistake <laughs> was it a spelling mistake no did we have defenders okay. <laughs> it's like still a spelling mistake but no no it's no like, it's, it's just like saying defenders with a really good accent we are the fellow defenders right so what you're saying is we actually didn't have an option for just defenders up there at all okay well fellow de- no. fellow defenders works then yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, guys, give us your feedback if you prefer to get rid of fellow. We could just stick with defenders. But I'll I'll put a new poll up. <laughs> I really enjoy polls on Facebook at the moment. I may have an addiction. I like it. I like it. I think it's time to get into our discussion of this episode of Iron Fist. We are on episode 99, which means we only have one more episode to go. This one, until we reach our centennial episode, our hundredth episode. 
you have a very small window here to get uh, some feedback into us for our 100th episode. We'd love to hear from more of you. Got a couple of voicemails so far. If you want to leave us a voicemail, just go over to the website at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Click the Send Voicemail button and record 90 seconds of your thoughts. Just even say hi for your 100th episode, Defenders, uh, if you want to. Um, Absolutely. For all of those who have given voicemail feedback before, you know how easy it is. Go on, give it another go. And for those of you who haven't and are are still a voicemail virgin, then absolutely go ahead and give it a try. And if you don't like the results, you don't need to send them in because all our voicemails will be entered into our prize draw uh, this season where we have some vinyl pops of I'm Fist and the Wolverine, or should I say Logan, Mm -hmm. Um, as well as some other great prizes, which we will, of course, make sure we put up on Facebook as soon as we remember to take our mobile phones out and use the camera attached to them. <laughs> Absolutely. But as I say, you've got a very small window to get this in. This episode is going up on the 14th of April. We are hoping to record our 100th episode that very same day. So if you have the opportunity to pop us in a message, please do so. And we'll love to hear from you. And of course, if you want to listen to our 100th episode along with episodes 1 through to 99 then of course you can go over to defenderstvpodcast.com forward slash itunes or search defenders tv podcast on any other good or evil podcast catcher (laughs) and of course subscribe to the podcast and if you are feeling uh, generous please leave a review all feedback uh, in all shapes and sizes are very helpful thank you and don't forget, as we've talked about that, those voicemails, why not tell us what your favorite moments have been in the last 99 episodes? Actually, I'm quite partial to a hand coming out of a giant hole. I think I've mentioned it like at least once every third episode, fourth at this point, since coming up with this crazy concoction. Could it be the uh, Siri comment? Could it be one of the other outtakes Derek has chopped and put in at the end of an episode and I have never listened to, so I've never heard it. Whatever it could be, don't forget to tell us your favourite points. Yeah, uh, now that you've subscribed to our podcast, Chris, you'll realise we actually edit you out of every episode. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not even here. This conversation is not happening. And of course, uh, given that uh, one of your favourite episodes was a big hand coming out of a hole, I think we should uh, instate innuendo watch uh, for for this episode of <laughs> of Defenders TV podcast, or dare I say it, innuendo watch. Given what's in this episode, it might be worthwhile to hang around and listen because I believe there might be another innuendo watch. There may well be, but we'll save that one for the notes. Let's get into our details about the episode. So, Derek, do you want to tell us who wrote and directed this episode? This episode was written by Quentin Peoples, who wrote episode three of Iron Fist, Rolling Thunder, Cannon Punch. Really good episode, that one. Yeah, great one. Great, great, great. We got our first cage fight. That's Can't be better. Yeah, yeah. This episode was also directed by Peter Horror, who we know from Daredevil Season 2. He did three episodes of Daredevil Season 2, A Cold Day in Hell's Kitchen, The Man in the Box, and Penny and Dime. Uh, He's also slated to direct Episode 3 of the upcoming Defenders series. So as we thought, uh, a number of people who've directed former episodes of the other Defenders shows are being brought back on board to do the Defenders. So uh, Peter Horror is joining them. Quite cool. I'm very curious, based on, which we'll get into, the fight scenes in this mm-hmm. episode and the directorial style, the choreography, etc. Will that 
episode that he is directing most likely be a battle-filled episode. Interesting, interesting. Mm. We will find out around the 18th of August. Absolutely. So, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for this episode? Sure. Danny Rand wakes up in a martial arts academy run by Colin Wing's mentor, Bakutu, who teaches him how to recharge his chi. Danny becomes increasingly suspicious and infiltrates a restricted area where he learns from an imprisoned Madame Gao that Bakuto is a leader of the Hand. Rand confronts Colleen about this, who counters that Gao is the leader of an evil renegade faction of the Hand. Elsewhere, Bakuto offers the reanimated Harold Meacham a partnership during his visit to him, but Harold decides that, like Gao, he needs to be removed. Back in the academy, Danny learns that the Hand is conducting mass surveillance and is confronted by Bakuto, whom he overpowers and attempts to escape before being surrounded by Hand operatives. With impeccable timing, Dee's friend from Kunlun, Davos, comes to his aid. The duo fight their way to the gate, which needs to be destroyed by the Iron Fist, but Danny can no longer summon his chi. The duo continues fighting the hand until Colleen opens the gate, allowing them both to escape, while she escapes on her own. Meanwhile, Davos tells Rand that they need to return to Kunlun to protect the mystical city. Meanwhile, Harold kills Lawrence Wilkins, head of Rand Enterprises' board, and stages it as a suicide, paving the way for Joy Meacham to convince the board to reinstate Danny, Ward, and herself into their previous positions of power in the company. I want to say a huge thank you to Wikipedia for helping us with the synopsis for this episode. There was so much going on and we were under a little bit of time pressure to get this episode done. So thank you so much, Wikipedia and uh, and your wonderful anonymous writers for helping us out with the synopsis. And thanks, John, for reading it. That was really good. And on that note, guys, should we get on to our first point on this episode? Yes, absolutely. We had a little bit of an argument, a uh, kind of discussion anyway, in episode nine about what was going on with uh, the hand whether uh, Bakuto and Colleen were members of a faction of the Hand and Gao was a member of another one. You guys got it right. I got it wrong. I was really hoping that Colleen wasn't working for the Hand. I was hoping that she'd be working for possibly Stick's group uh, that we saw in Daredevil, uh, where she was fighting against the Hand. But no, she is in the hipster version of the Hand, maybe? <laughs> is hey, that a Colleen thing? Or Gao? Colleen. <laughs> I'd love to see Madame Gao in a hipster outfit, you know, like the, like you know the way like some hipsters wear like glasses with no with no glass, and mm-hmm. then like nineteen seventies outfits just because it's kind of chic. Would that mean she'd wear eighteen seventies outfits? I think yeah, I think it's more seventeenth century outfits. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. With, a, with a flat cap and a really expensive craft ale. Yeah, but for her, it's just it's something that's in the wardrobe, really, uh, rather than <laughs> rather than her going back in time and taking somebody else's outfits. It's just stuff that she has lying around. Craft ale. That like the the wine in the filing cabinet at work. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anyone about that, John. Anyway, truthfully, this point is about uh, obviously Bakuto and Colleen are members of the hand. Hell yes, certainly are. Boo. We got full confirmation. And I can't believe it. We're on a good streak with this one, guys. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know whether that's coming to the fact that we are now almost as talented in crafting some of these stories as the Iron Fist writers, or we've been watching it so long we can kind of guess the next steps, 
or it's just that predictable. I'll let our <laughs> listeners decide. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll say I've been on every single one of these hundred episodes, plus all of the Gotham TV podcast ones, and I still got this wrong. So, hey, look, it's obviously not uh, obviously not working on me. Okay, we're just more intelligent. That's it. John, John, it's official. Yeah. We are more intelligent and smart. High five, Chris. Absolutely. High five. <laughs> but let's jump on. Uh, for me, this was... this. I was actually happy with this. This should like from a stylistic kind of narrative point of view, it made sense, um, and it actually does lead to some better questions in terms of okay, so this fraction or this f- fractioning or fractal breaking of the hand, old school versus new school, um, so who's doing what? So we had like maybe the investment banking elements that we've seen in um, season two of Daredevil. Um, actually, that is, which fraction is that? Mm. Um, like, how does this build to the defenders? Is it going to be two, the defenders are fighting two versions of the hand? Um, I, I This just kind of got my, it got my creative uh, theory juices running in terms of, if it was just the ninja clad warriors only, then yes, it can become quite tiresome. But now you can see that these are, as you said, the hipster hand. Um, they they're cool. They understand. They're, it's cultish, which I found oh, really yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I think as well, um, Bakuto's. Uh, you know, there was a lot of obvious hints of. Um, black and deep red and actually those colors were more reminiscent of nobu um and his ninjas um and electra even than gauss and to me this kind of then tonally made sense um for me i maybe that's just one of my ocds playing out but um (laughs) you like everybody dressed the same well no it made more (laughs) sense just with the uh surveillance and and all of that and i do think that uh, there was reference made to the fact that gao is a renegade faction of the hand who is dealing in drugs and so on whereas bakuto more like nobu as well are purists or of, of the hand who are dealing in you know more highfalutin kind of concepts of bringing the black sky or you know trying to convert the iron fist over to their way to show that you know they're not yeah. evil and um, maybe Bakuto is slightly more uh, techno minded uh, in, in this way but i i felt a similarity of purpose it was much more uh defined by um sort of the mystical side of things um the tradition the history the legends yeah. um whereas gao very much is fully aware of all of that stuff but now we see that you know she rules by fear um and is maybe um much more interested in getting everyone high and pocketing the cash. Absolutely, absolutely. This is a real reminder for me of a very big comic book series at the moment. I'm not going to spoil it because if I do, uh, it will ruin the comic book series. But uh, anybody who's reading Marvel at the moment, one of their flagship comic books has a character who is going through exactly this concept where he feels that his faction of uh, of Hydra is um, is the good faction, is doing the right things for the world. Uh, this is what I feel Bakuto is like for the Hand. He feels like he's taken what the Hand was, um, the the ancient order that it came from, which is an evil order, and turned it into a future-proofed 
ready to save the world place where everybody can get together and all kind of peace and love under the under the banner of the hands kind of um, influence, I suppose, uh, more so than anything else. The way he speaks to Harold uh, and discusses with him about um, I'm not going to be the same kind of person as Gao was. You'll be much more free under under me than you were under Gao. Um, the way he talks to Danny uh, is very much saying that he's a good guy in this situation. What you've been told in Kunlun, in the ancient city of Kunlun, is about a, an evil version of, of the hand that doesn't even exist anymore. How would they know they never leave the city, basically, is the kind of concept that Colleen and Bakuto are trying to convince Danny of. So, uh, so yeah, very reminiscent of a comic book that's actually out there right now. The comic book readers know exactly who I'm talking about, yeah. but uh, but yeah. But until you disagree with them, and then by Jove, we'll chop off your your hands, feet, and head. <laughs> by Jove. The one bit, uh, just to kind of wrap up that part, was the the part where Bakuto and Danny are chatting prior to the 1946 video. Okay. <gasps> yep. Because I we, I don't want to get into that part yet. We mm-hmm. can. We're pocketing that for a later one, but that part where he, before he mentions anything, where he's discussing is like why, why can't you do more? Like you're part of Rand, and don't you get the feeling that they should be doing more than just X or Y? I think he he does mention the 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 drug um, part uh, selling for cost, yeah. for example, which that for me was like I suppose this updated version of the hand. You can't see how Daryl potentially has been. If you take away the evil elements of the of the hand, mm. you can see. Okay, well, actually, as as a theory, uh, like in just again in this MCU world, the Netflix world as well, this makes sense. How someone could go, well, I'm here by learning martial arts, I can help save the world and make it a better place. Absolutely, like yeah. that's that's an interesting premise to explore. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's the sales. May... It's definitely the sales pitch for pretty much every cult in the world. Is everybody else is doing it wrong? We're doing it right. Come join us. We're the right side. Yeah, but they're not going to try and transport you to Pluto on the sixth elliptical of <laughs> uh, thing, or uh, the Overlord Zemu is not out there. They might, though, of course, um, because I mean, there's still a load of crazy stuff that potentially could could go on here. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's just more kind of. Um, modern day management techniques and uh, technology than Nobu. Uh, I think that's maybe the, all that separates them. But like, I think Bakuto, um, I really enjoyed his portrayal uh, in this episode and I loved the arc um, in this episode of him and Danny, you know, were... It goes from um, him being helpful, um, setting out his vision, um, you know, showing him how to effectively boost up his chi through that meditation. And I I love them uh, mirroring one another uh, with the martial arts move. That kind of dance on the grass was really good. And then just the increasing suspicion that comes across Danny as he sees the guards... Uh, who, in the restricted area who are guarding Gao and he, he keeps asking where she is and what they're going to do with him and he, he's being fairly vague and then 
in the office he sees the ceremonial dagger um on the wall which is is the same kind of dagger that was in um season two of daredevil Mm -hmm. the guy in the the top of the office his his alarm bells are going internally and then just the whole mind mess um from gao and bakuto um on danny uh, and saying one's worse than the other the other is um you know the other is good the hand is good you know conflicting with everything that danny has been taught um and then you know culminating in that fantastic um fight at the end where really um danny hands bakuto's ass a bit on a plate really um i love some of the moves in, in this in this fight but he, he really knocks um knocks bakuto down here mm-hmm. yeah for me this that that scene where he the, the scene you're mentioning where danny runs in and sees all the the, the the TV and surveillance and parts like that. That for me, I was like, it took me a second just from the hard cut uh, on the screens. I had to kind of actually do a bit of rewind to kind of, oh, okay, I see what. Now, again, I was watching it quite late. So uh, <laughs> I, I was kind of like, oh, oh that's interesting. But the, the cuts kind of made me double take. Mm-hmm. But then that, the Danny's overreaction to me. And that was what he, he did. He overreacted. He was literally a child throwing his toys out of the pram by like throwing the, the computer screen and keyboard across the room. Mm. Which then I which I loved following that was Bakuto coming in and almost like he was like a disapproving mother. I'm disappointed in you. I'm not angry at you, I'm disappointed in you. Uh-huh. And like that was the tone that the actor gave and I was like, No, that's cool. I wonder how many times did that just... I wonder, was that a one-shot or how many times that was actually a take on right. that? Because I think it was just... It was very nice just precision between Danny flying off the handle and then Bakuto coming in so calm, collected. And then Danny using that rage that you talked about, like just those fights and knocking Bakuto out, like not out, but knocking him down... Again, this is kind of driving to the point that we've mentioned like a couple of episodes now where Danny's losing that inner focus part. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think there's definitely a moment here where he's really frustrated at the idea that Colleen would be taken in by the hand, the person that he's sworn to be the enemy of. He's sworn to be the uh, protector of Kunlun versus the hand. So I think he's that that's definitely his frustration coming out of how could this person have been taken in by someone that's telling her they are the hand and they're good. How could she be taken in by this? And how was I taken in by her? Um, that's kind of where he's taken the frustration out and everything that he's seeing when it's confirmed to him that he's definitely right. His suspicion that this is the cult, that this is the hand. He's never going to be able to be convinced by Colleen and Bakuta that this is a good a good society. He spent 15 years hearing that they are the evil uh, bad guys that he's supposed to be fighting against when he's been living in, in Kunlun. So, um, so yeah, that's never they're, ne- they're never going to be able to convince him otherwise. No, absolutely. And I mean, I think it was, uh, I thought it was really well done, um, just the, the betrayal of, of, of Colleen. Um, and there's, there's part of me that, you know, this, this answered a lot of questions. And, um, there was part of me thinking some of this stuff could have really 
it could have benefited from being earlier in, in the series so far. Mm-hmm. Maybe done in a different way. Some of these reveals, not necessarily at this martial arts camp, but that's not to take away from from the episode at all. Um, but part of the thing that actually adds to it is the fact that actually Colleen was established in such a way and over a number of episodes that she was this this helpful ally to um to Danny that it it made that reveal um so much more sort of deep uh, and and difficult to take um compared to maybe if it had been done much closer together and much sooner you know i i, I think in um you know it, it's that fine balance isn't it where in some of these series we've said i wish they'd just pace that out a bit more mm-hmm. um uh, mm. this actually really helped it work much better i think or give it more impact by being spaced out you really yeah. lived with colleen and the, these um episodes as being a, a an ally of the hand few question marks with the first arrival of Bakuto, but, you know, potentially was he Davos at the time? You know, right. so yeah, yeah. It, it still wasn't necessarily the hand that was at play there, although you could have maybe um, suspected that. So I, I thought that really, uh, really worked here, um, definitely. Right. And, and I have to say I really enjoyed that that Danny did call out something that we'd mentioned before. If Colleen does work for the hand, if she's working for a bad guy like Bakuto... Is he the one that gave her the money to put in Danny's cup as their introduction at the in the in episode one? You know, I like that it's called out by Danny here, and Colleen throws her eyes to heaven and goes, "No, that's not what happened. That's not. Don't take that uh, as the way to go." Like we do end the episode with Colleen running away from the academy, so she seems like she's been convinced by Danny that these guys are actually bad guys. Potentially, we'll see more about that probably in a, in a future episode, but. I love that Danny does call out that he doesn't trust her anymore um, because of, of where he's brought her to. Yeah, just quickly to go back to something Derek said there as well. I mean, Colleen, not only does she leave the, the compound, but she does help them escape by by opening up the, the mm. front gates. And I think whatever uh, doubts she has, it must certainly be around her loyalty as much to Danny as well as maybe now the conflicted loyalty between him and obviously the hand and the mentor Bakuto. Yeah. So what I'm really interested in is where it goes from here. Okay. So we talked about how potentially emotionally immature the character of Danny Rand is mm-hmm. in this series. Based on he's been he was raised in by the monks. It it was a it's a different Danny Rand to slightly that we were portrayed in the comics that we see. It's it's a more fragile Danny. Yeah, an origin story Danny. He's still not the Iron Fist yet, as we know and see him in our heads right now. I'm not talking yeah. about the future. What I'm really interested in is how this story continues mm-hmm. in terms of the redemption of Colleen, the redemption. Is there love at the end of the tunnel? Is there light at the end of the tunnel for this relationship? I'd love to see, is there a way that they could step past this? Mm-hmm. Almost like It's almost like an anti-brainwashing piece where like both Danny and Colleen... Because if you think about it, Kung Lung and The Hand are like two sides of a different coin. Both are monastery, religious-based mm-hmm. organizations. One is good and thinks the other is bad and vice versa. 
You would totally be in this academy, wouldn't you, if this was oh, in the real world, Chris? I, I don't know. <laughs> they they would t- they would make me really skinny, and potentially I get to do like surveillance ops. Hell yeah! Uh, <laughs> um, but no, I'm just really interested to see because okay, I know we've talked about okay in the comic books, uh, Danny Rand and Misty Knight have relationships mm-hmm. in the comic books. We in I think two episodes ago we discussed maybe this is how they're just going to they're not going to do that they just have Colleen and Danny and I liked it they're now they, they've literally they put you almost they're like hey this is a beautiful couple check it out they're kind of sweet together like that opening scene where they're in the bed I was like that is nice like yeah. that is a nice representation of a relationship mm-hmm. kind of or a budding love if you want to call it then what we're getting now is actually that's been torn apart down to the very foundations it will be a hard narrative and a hard storyline to do but the redemption of that would be cool mm. i'm not sure whether they're going to get to too deeply in the next three episodes i kind of think they've used a little bit of shorthand here with Colleen being the one letting them out of the academy they wouldn't have escaped without her basically and then she runs off on her own I have a feeling we won't see a huge amount um, amount there we may not see we may not see a huge amount of Colleen for a little while they could be going back off to Conlon so absolutely but we do have our first uh, innuendo watch um, with this whole uh, scene where uh, Danny does tragically say um was this before or after I used the fist uh, that... <laughs> now, given the name of the character, Innuendo has been fairly light uh, in the series, which has been excellent. I'm, I'm really pleased, actually, because, uh, you know, uh, Innuendo is always hilarious um, for my 10-year-old brain. <laughs> but it would totally have undermined the series if there was Innuendo for the start. Oh, absolutely, and I'm glad there hasn't been, but I did... Uh, I did kind of chuckle at the uh, timing and phrasing of, of uh, his words mm-hmm. were, um, yes, basically, really all he meant was, uh, did you know that I was the Iron Fist yes. from the start? Yeah. Um, or, you know, did you get to like me for who I was? You yeah. see, he has feelings, little Danny. He certainly does. He certainly this does. is his first girlfriend. He was, he was celibate before he met her. So this is his first girlfriend, remember? So. Well, that yes. didn't last long. <laughs> Ah, young love. Absolutely. But saying that, who better to deliver an innuendo joke line with some levity while also keeping serious would Miss Temple. She Mm -hmm. could get away with it, her character. And I'm hoping when she introduces Danny to the rest of the Defenders, she goes, and this is the Iron Fist, not that type of fist. <laughs> like, that would, that's just like, that would bring a small bit of levity to the Defenders, which is probably going to be in a serious section. You get a bit of a giggle, you go, okay, yeah, that's funny, and then walk away. Rosario Dawson has the ability to get that right. Definitely. Well, I think on that note, we should move on from the innuendo and into the black and white Iron Fist, um, which we have skirted around in our point one. But for point two, we have black and white footage, previous Chinese uh, footage of an encounter by the Chinese army Mm. with um, another Iron Fist. And I have to say... This was so cool because he had he had it on. He, it, this was kind of the tiara and collars of, of Luke Cage, um, where where they you know nodded to the original costume, and here we have uh, a similar nod back. It had fairly flurry 
collars. He had the mask on. Uh, obviously, we can only assume it was green and gold. But this was absolutely great seeing uh, another Iron Fist kicking some ass. Yeah, very cool and very smart of the show. There there are rumours that uh, they did try the costume for Danny at some point uh, for uh, Finn Jones to wear in the show and that the colour scheme is not something you could see him walking around in New York wearing. So what a great way to hide it than, than to show black and white footage of the uh, of the outfit. So we do get it in the show. We see somebody wearing the Iron Fist costume, but it's not Danny Rand and it's not in full daylight. It is in black and white. So we can only assume, as you say, that it is a uh, it is a yellow and green costume or a yellow costume or a green costume. Um but yeah, we can't tell from from the colors, which I think is a very smart decision on, on behalf of the uh, the showrunners here. For me, this was great. Like what we see in film on black and white is a fully realized Iron Fist with full who has reached his full potential. Mm-hmm. And what we see here with Danny is with his limited usage of powers, the only power to, and it's always the same fist. I actually looked; it's always his right fist. By mm-hmm. the way, that's right. This is an Iron Fist who is still in Chrysalis, in like the, the, the very beginning forms, the Lave forms, if you want to call it that, of becoming. And we've mentioned maybe he ran away just after getting powers and yeah. not knowing his powers. This is kind of concrete evidence. But beyond that, and Derek, this is one for you, the Iron Fist is now officially the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe the very first costume hero in the universe before Captain America. Am I right? Maybe, but I'm not sure. This this particular footage that they show in the episode is 1948. Yes. And Captain America is during World War II, so he would have been 1941 through 45 before he went into ice. So. To- but he was oh, the American yeah, side of the war. Yeah. So 1941 to 1945 before he went into the ice. So um, so I think uh, Cap is still first. It's entirely... Yeah. No, no, it's entirely possible that the Iron Fist did... Uh, it could have been there before him, but just from this footage, uh, it does happen after Captain America, the first Avenger. So, um, so but it could easily be he the is, first Defender. Real. <laughs> yeah, I, come on! I just, I just wanted to take a bit away from Shield. I was kind of like, yeah, no, no, give it to Colonel Lung, give it to Colonel Lung. They've got a new battle. <laughs> it's also entirely possible. Remember, Madame Gaia did mention that she's faced a number of Iron Fists before, and she's been around since the seventeenth, eighteenth century. We think it's been yeah. for hundreds of years. So the legacy of the Iron Fist could go back hundreds of years. So you could be absolutely right. Yeah, um, I suppose yeah. there's no, there's no surviving hero or living hero. That goes back further than Steve Rogers. No, and I think one of the other things as well on that black and white footage, uh, Chris, was that not only was it uh, two fists that were glowing, but the glowing was more fiery. You didn't get a sense of the hands. Mm -hmm. Um, It was more that kind of like has been depicted in comics previously, like the the, the fireball of chi yeah, yeah. Uh, around the hands that envelops the hands, not simply that the hand uh, glows and maintains its form. So yeah. what, it, it looked a, you know slightly different as well. Again, maybe that he is more powered 
than Danny. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. With with uh, his chi and in using it as well. Yeah, hundred percent. Remember, in these ten episodes, all we've seen Danny be able to do on his own, without any guidance from anybody else, is fire up that one iron fist, that one uh, powerful fist, and only able to do it on occasion. Um, he hasn't mastered the chi. Everything he's learnt so far about his powers and abilities actually come from Bakuto. Um, the piece about him being able to heal somebody else, heal himself, get in contact with his chi, recharge his chi, all of those elements really have come from Bakuto in the last two episodes. Prior to that, the only thing he's been able to do is focus his chi on one point, which is that one Iron Fist. So, yeah, he's very, very early on in his development as the Iron Fist. So, uh, And here we see a fully formed Iron Fist, which I'm hoping we're going to see in Defenders, really. Uh, we, we're not, not far away from the Defenders, and I'm, I'm presuming we're going to see Danny power up even more as this series goes on. So, question. We've got three episodes left, right? Mm-hmm. Do we, has it been said at all, is there a gap between the end of Iron Fist and uh, Defenders episode one? The, Do you think they, they will put a, a six month, six month later, diddly, 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 no. kind of Wayne Wells, <laughs> so Ori goes literally 24 hours later job? Because they're never very specific with these things, but and they're they're definitely keeping a lot of that stuff close to the chest. But I do feel that the growth that Danny comes out of this season of Iron Fist with um, will will be maintained going into the Defenders, or will he will potentially have developed a little bit more. We don't know where he's going to end up the season. Obviously, we've still got three episodes to watch, so the next three episodes could just take place in Kunlun. And he could be there training for the next for the next three episodes and then come back to New York in time to meet up with the Defenders. So this could be a huge bit of um a huge explosion of development over the next couple of episodes and then he walks back into New York uh, for the Defenders as a much more powerful Iron Fist. Do you think we get a nineteen eighty style Rambo not Rambo do you think we get a nineteen eighty style Rocky montage? Montages are always <laughs> cool. Like Davos on the hand on one side going against a punching bag and then Danny on one side going and then the end is like him just putting his fist through the punching bag. Like, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Wusha versus sliced alone. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, about the Kunlun part of this episode. We obviously knew it was Davos last episode who had arrived. Uh, Danny's friend from Kunlun, the guy, the guy he'd mentioned a few times. Uh, Davos comes in at the most opportune time for a best friend to arrive when you're being surrounded by hand guys at either side and we finally get another wonderful hallway scene uh, we had one earlier on in the season uh, where danny took on the hatchet man in the hallway uh, now we have the back-to-back fight sequence that you've been expecting from uh, from kung fu movies chris i know you were you were talking about this well early on in the season that you were looking to see potentially colleen and danny go back to back fighting uh, being surrounded by uh, by hand or being surrounded by enemies. Uh, in this scene, we get Davos plus Danny working together in some great moments in this fight. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's unpack this. Let's go for the hallway first and then on to Davos. So that hallway scene, I think since Daredevil episode one, mm-hmm. the these hallway scenes are the, the, the and the style are evolving. And in Iron Fist, we got that one iron, the first uh, Hatchet Men hallway scene and i really loved that mm-hmm. and then in this episode for some reason i just it was whatever way it was shot or directed from a fight perspective mm-hmm. it just made it, it was a lot more dirty it was a lot more daredevil for me and i loved that i have to admit i really did like it that last moment where they're all on top of danny and davos 
and then the two lads almost jump and push out. I was like, that that was a comic book come to life for me, mm-hmm. but Definitely. not in the not in the I'm the Hulk kind of slightly beyond belief. This was these two men are martial artists at the peak performance. Okay, yes, one has a glowing fist, but like beyond that part, it was more like this is what two people who are, have trained in a, a kung fu monastery, a martial arts monastery for their life can do. And they took on about 20 guys. Absolutely. And importantly, it's showing the two of them working together because they've obviously yes. done this many times uh, yeah. within the tournaments that Danny's talked about in Kunlun. Uh, they've obviously worked together many times. There's some great little little scenes of running along the wall to get past some guys. Uh, the two of them... Um, taking on each other's opponents in, in some scenes which are really really cool yeah really enjoyed the scene yeah I thought uh, Davis's fighting style as well yes it was martial arts it was kung fu but it felt more earthy as well it felt a bit more physical and um, certainly uh, in the courtyard scene but I think even in this it, it felt more punchy mm-hmm. um, than, than kind of blocking and, and sort of chopping or or thrusting or you know sort of danny's movements are very graceful generally they're they're quite um airy i think this was much it felt more earthy and definitely but uh it was great to hear as well that you know he has come to bring him back to kunlun as well which begs the question will they get on a Rand private jet back to, to Conlon, or is there going to be a standoff where Danny convinces Davos um, that you know his place at this moment is to save New York from the hand? And maybe he convinces Davos that you know his place is here in New York to fight the hand because it has got some form of ramification back to Kunlun. Mm. Uh, you know the hand is kind of focusing everything on New York. From um, you know we've been told that in Daredevil season one and season two that this is the place where you know something special is going to happen. Um, you know with the whole black sky with Electra with that huge hole so what is going to pop out of that other than maybe a ranker beast or uh, the millennium falcon what is gonna <laughs> or a giant hand um what you know what is going to come out of that mm-hmm. and maybe they'll send it off uh, back to conlon to attack the mystical city yeah, no, uh, so do you remember, again, we're, I'm, I'm referencing previous episodes quite a lot, and I apologize for any new listeners kind of at this point, but hopefully you've been along for the ride. We did posit that, or hypothesize, that perhaps rather than hide, in one of the comic books, the, the, the threat facing Kung Lung was Hydra. So potentially in this uh, MCNU version, it may be the hand. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is, we, we again, I think this was a, another storyline that we may have kind of superseded ourselves with a, slightly mm-hmm. in that I think this will be a Defenders almost uh, storyline, but it's being hinted at now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not just being hinted at. It's it, That's in big bright lights. That's the big threat to Kunlun is the hand and has been for centuries. Yeah. Uh, that's why Danny is the defender of Kunlun versus the hand. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about the flashing lights, but I think it's, they are now setting it up as an immediate threat. Mm -hmm. So we're talking, okay, maybe Danny gets shipped off home. So I think, I don't think it's going to happen now. I think at the end of episode 13, 
as John said, he's going to have a standoff with Davos now. And I think that's how the whole Baron Mordo kind of the similarities will happen. Davos will go, how can you shirk your responsibilities? Danny will say, I'm staying here. This is my city too. He stays for three more episodes, 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever it is, and then returns to Kung Lung. That gives us a break for everything's tied off nicely for a return in Defenders. Right. And that's where he can come back with the immediate threat. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah, and of course, um, if Danny is to stay in in New York, Davos could go back to Kunlun. And in the comics, Davos does try to take on the mantle of the Immortal Iron Fist. This could be a way of um, him getting his scarring and going on that journey for maybe Iron Fist season two, where. He sees no choice but to try and become the Iron Fist, take on Shao Lao the Undying, um, do it, but also get you know uh, injured in the process as well, and, and the scarring, and then the resentment towards Danny really uh, begins to flare up, and we we get that kind of steel serpent um, antagonist then of, of Danny because Davos is. And has been both friend and foe. So this is this could change the relationship here for Davos yeah. and have consequences down the line that absolutely breaks their their previous friendship, which would be really good, I think, uh, if we get a, a, a season two, um, which I'm sure we will. Yeah, I, I, like I, I think right now their, their friendship is fracturing already and has fractured a little bit already by the fact that Danny has left. You got to remember here, Gao is now aware that Kunlun is unprotected for the first time in centuries. Um, that's why she was doing the test on him. That's why she find when she found out that he was the Iron Fist. That's why she was amassing the people to go after him. Um, you know that that is kind of the the concept here in the show is that is that Danny has left his position. Davos has been sent to New York to drag him back, kicking and screaming if needs be, to get him to stand in the, at the gates of Kunlun and protect it again. So it does feel like while they do fight together, uh, Davos doesn't ha- doesn't really entertain Danny's concept of why he's in New York. It's give this up, you must come back with me right now. Uh, is kind of where we leave it. I, I don't want to continue speculating too much uh-huh. um, in terms of because again, this was a beautiful Netflix ending. This is the this is what I commend Netflix for doing oh, yeah. in terms of the and I, I talk about it quite a lot and I don't want to kind of drown on about but they have perfected that binge episode kind of final scene mm-hmm. which is they say just enough to make you want to continue on um, and like it, that that closing scene was beautiful because I, I don't know if you guys caught it as well on the. Um, on the, the, the billboard mm-hmm. as it kind of pans up, pans down and pans back up again was the we're here for you Rand billboard. Yeah. Yeah. It was a Rand Enterprise. I was like, that's like that is such a tiny little thing. They didn't even zoom in on it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you know some directors would go, okay, cut into that. It was just a beautiful kind of it was framed and I kinda of did a double take. I was like that's a nice way. It's like New York is here for you, Danny. Actually, well, no, it's not. Rand Enterprises is probably there for him. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. But very cool. Very cool. Yeah, we've already talked about one of the fight sequences in the episode. The other big fight sequence is in the courtyard, really. So the, it obviously started out in the hallway and there was loads of hand guys there. But there's a much bigger fight sequence in the courtyard in this episode. 
where we've got tons and tons of the trainees, I suppose, in uh, in the academy and some of the higher level people in the academy coming at uh, Danny and Davos. Really cool fight sequences. Yeah, this was fabulous. Like, I mean, can you imagine if Danny had gotten his iron fist on? Mm. Um, because they really did make good work of, of all these um, red shirts or black black and red shirts uh, coming <laughs> coming at them yeah. um i really like this and yeah again more back to back fighting um really uh, really good uh, davos snaps daryl's leg and uh, breaks it um, re- that was pretty brutal this was an epic fight battle in, in the courtyard um you know we have the the confrontation with bakuto and um, we have these all the operatives running the we have colleen you know deciding should she shouldn't she i mean she effectively takes out the the guy who's manning the the gate so Mm -hmm. that she can help them uh, escape and again we see here now that danny is unable to call his cheat which is interesting because i'd love to know why because he hasn't used it since he supposedly recharged it Mm -hmm. uh after after doing the meditation and uh moves with bakuto so that's really an interesting thing was there something to do with the injection from bakuto the device that he used to stab him with looked like it was a capture device of some sort that maybe capturing a sample of his blood or something like that i was wondering that because i was wondering did that happen before or did that happen after because i thought bakuto confronted him then there was the huge fight, mm-hmm. and then it was as they were running to escape that Bakuto kind of swoops in. And, yeah, it, initially it looked like he was being stabbed, stabbing him in the side. And, mm-hmm. of course, Danny does leave with a, a wound. But the camera deliberately focuses in on what he's picking up and it's not a knife it Mm -hmm. looks more like some kind of syringe pen or something like that um and so here's one of my theories now that i wonder what will happen um so daryl at the end has had his leg broken he's up against one of the walls and bakuto comes over to him uh, to begin with, I was thinking, oh, is he just going to snap his neck because he was useless? Um, yes, uh-huh. I thought that too. Yeah, but but he didn't, and instead, kind of makes um, a fairly prophetic kind of statement to him that you are the future of the hand. Mm-hmm. Now, is that just because he's young, eager, and new, and, and, and so yeah. on? Yeah. Um, is he effectively going to die in the next episode, or was that um, that device in? in Bakuto's hands that he stabbed Danny with, was that getting some kind of biological sample? Was it getting the chi? Was it something that they could culture, analyze, um, replicate, so that they could effectively um, inject Daryl with some kind of chi or or proxy for, for the chi so that they have someone who can maybe counter the Iron Fist, the Immortal Iron Fist, because we do see that Danny kind of took care of Bakuto quite easily. Mm-hmm. Um, in a sense, yes, it was still a challenge. Bakuto is highly um, experienced, highly trained, but he still really um, didn't last very long 
up against Danny without his chi. So, um, you know, a few suggestions, because I I put the question out there. Um, There is possibly um, Kirigi, I think, or Kirigi, who's an ancient legend of of the past uh, and a hand operative, uh, a highly skilled, legendary uh, hand ninja. Could be that, and um, that was Claire Laffer kind of suggested that, so it Mm. could be that. Or it could be, you know, some other form of monster that um, that comes back. I was almost wondering whether it could be Chi Lin. Um, that maybe whatever sample they've taken gets corrupted. And yes, it gets injected back in. But that in some way the sample is tainted so mm. that when it's injected back in, it kind of morphs into a way so that it's... Uh, maybe he could become Chi Lin. Um, but I know we've already had reference to Chi Lin as uh, being the the master of, of um, Jo Chung. So probably not that either. I think this would be really interesting just because of how deliberate the, the emphasis was on whatever Bakuto picked up. And the other big point in this episode is that Bakuto consistently says that from the moment he found about, out about the Iron Fist, he's been... He's been researching and, and uh, investigating what the Iron Fist is over and over again. So entirely possible he's built some form of capture device specifically for the Iron Fist so that he can get the power of the Undying Heart of Shaolau out of the Iron Fist if he ever does encounter him in the future. Perhaps this is the whole reason that he set up uh, where he is and trying to get Danny there. You know, that, So that's entirely possible. Interesting theories, John. And only three episodes left to find out. I know. I know. I actually like that, Nick, because that goes kind of the exact opposite. While you guys are talking capture device, mm-hmm. I thought this was more like an EpiPen injection device. Interesting. Yeah. Which is, uh, now, I, I'm not aware, or I don't actually know the lore deep enough, but is there a... Of EpiPens? No, I meant <laughs> <laughs> I meant of chi-blocking pharmaceuticals. Okay. So could, um, could he have injected Danny with a chi-blocking serum, if you want to call it that? Mm-hmm. He can, literally, as you said, he, he's been investigating uh, the Iron Fist for years. The, he has a Chinese video, so maybe the Chinese came up with this, the Chinese army, to battle this previous Iron Fist, yeah. etc. He's taken that formula, because that is a good way of depowering a pretty violent, powerful hero in pre or post pre defenders in this series or post as in during the defenders where like if Danny gets hit with an arrow with this stuff laced in it, etc., or a dart, then all of a sudden he, he loses his iron fist. Right. Right. Very interesting. Like in the theories, gentlemen, like there we the go. Theories. Yeah. That's uh, the two opposing theories, but both based on the same concepts. So I like it. I like it a lot. I think we need to move on to the final point about the episode. So the other storyline that was going on in this episode is obviously Harold returning from the dead last uh, last episode, introducing himself to Joy. And now we get uh, a little bit more on the development of the relationship between Joy and Harold in this episode. So uh, Joy hugely questions the motives of Harold in this episode. Um, and it, but it's really interesting. There's lots of uh, lots of interesting things going on with Harold. He does unfortunately kill one of our favorite characters that we mentioned earlier on in the series uh lawrence wilkins takes a bullet to the head in a sort of kind of suicide i like that harold just leaves it up to uh, his henchman to yeah yeah you just you just make sure that this bullet 
looks like it came from this gun and has his fingerprints on it. It can't look like I shot from, shot him from the other side of the desk at all. Um, obviously, does quite a good job though. Oh, definitely. Like this is so premeditated. Um, it, it's really, it's really vicious. David Wenham here. Um, just how he talks to Lawrence. Like, it, it starts off about, you know, we've both got children, we're both parents, we both want to protect them. I thought it was kind of a going to be a, a step down kind of thing, although always in the back of my mind, um, certainly since he, he rose from the zombie pool. He is getting a bit more up and downy uh, with um, his emotions, his feelings, his, his temper. So um, I definitely thought that... His pitch was simply going to be, you know, you stand down, otherwise we will release these um, and you'll get blackmailed. Not you mm-hmm. know, so to deflect from joy. And instead he pulls out the gun and shoots him, you know, effectively saying you have a choice. Either you kill yourself or effectively I'll do it for you and outwhips the pistol yeah. um, and uh, bang, straight between the, the eyes and the forehead. Um so, like, this was really, really creepy for, from Harold, really brutal. And I kind of really like how Joy recognizes, you know, that there is something creepy about her her father. Um, he does have a bit of a temper tra- tantrum with her as well, with the very expensive bottle of whiskey, which, for Whiskey Watch... All I can say is it's an expensive bottle of whiskey. I didn't catch what it was, but one of the finest in the world mm-hmm. smashed all over in a in a quick bout of temper. At from, least they had some left Harold. in the glass, though. Yeah, but like <laughs> I love the fact that she's recognizing how creepy he is, and she's getting slightly freaked out by it. Mm-hmm. This this relationship development was really good. Okay, John, I want to counter. I want to counterpoint you here, and not to start an argument or stuff, but I didn't buy this velocity that the relationship went back to, in terms of how your dead father has just appeared to you, he's hugged you, and then later on we get a scene and he's just talking to her. You would expect. I think we discussed it as well. Like I would. I was expecting a more dramatic kind of fallout piece like how could you do this tell me everything why blah 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 like i don't believe you oh my god you're alive you sleep in a hyperbaric chamber like what is that kale stuff you're drinking like that type of level but we didn't really get that they did skip over the conversation itself didn't they more it more went into the concept of and ward's known about this the whole time my god you've driven him insane haven't you from all the things that he's had to go through for the last 12 years. It was much more of the concern of Joy for her brother that we saw than her being freaked out for herself, I suppose. But she does get freaked out later on, as John mentioned, with the with the discussion over the bottle of uh, broken whiskey, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I, I think there's definitely that, you know, she's in shock and she's she's testing, she's feeling. She's not doing it in kind of a... Uh, I, I get your point that she's she's certainly not being loud or or dramatic about it in yeah. in that sense or um but she she's certainly questioning him she's questioning why he's here she is uncomfortable when he hugs her and she's creeped out by various things uh, and 
you know, I kind of, I buy the whole shock thing. I mean, look, as well, we're, we're in a world where there's uh, an undying dragon that has been killed. I haven't and, seen them yet, though. I know, and, <laughs> and, and a mystical city, and obviously an iron fist. So, you know, the events of, of um, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe are referenced mm-hmm. here. So some of these crazier things maybe are a bit, more known uh, by the general population, you know, aliens coming from a time a portal in in the sky, and um, all this kind of stuff. So, it I think her playing the she's in shock uh, and she's processing it and she's slightly uncomfortable with it. That conflict of here's my father, I think the conflict of the emotions. I, I kind of prefer that, I think, for me, how that's being played, Absolutely, rather yeah, than yeah. it being an, an all-out kind of argument uh, and brawl. Now, that may be still to come, probably. Yeah, John, I, I, can, I can understand that, but we, we didn't even get... I, I, I would have even slightly preferred... Now, again, I'm not disheartening on the, the whole other parts that we've discussed, but we didn't even get... Like, oh my God, you you're back from the dead, and you haven't aged in the last twelve years. Hmm. Like she's like, you, you would even expect like you look the same when I saw you in the coffin. How are you here? Maybe that will come in a slightly later episode. But we just for for me, it just felt we skipped a massive piece and went as you we just, did. Derek has said, it went straight into the ward and then beyond. We, we definitely skipped a part of this. But one of the good things about this conversation is that it does reference one of the things I was asking you guys about in the last episode, which is, did Joy see uh, Harold die? Did she, was she there by his side? And she says that she did see him waste away. They were they were turning his body over in the bed, um, taking care of him right the way through his, his illness. So he did debilitate all the way through uh, for months with this cancer uh, that ravaged his body, and he did die not looking the same way he does now. He looks strong, he looks virile, he looks like a man of his age now. Um, He doesn't look like the weak, frail, uh, bedridden, sore-covered cancer victim that he was when he died and the last time Joyce saw him. So while we did skip part of the conversation, Chris, and I do understand those, I suppose, from a writing point of view, those points were covered with uh, with Danny when he saw him for the first time, um, that he didn't look the same than he did in the past. So we, she may have said exactly the same thing to them, but they probably left it out because it's been covered in the show before. Um, I think the character of Joy is not a soap opera character. Uh, she's not going to have a big screaming fit about this whole thing for the next three episodes and cry over the fact that her father's come back from the dead. She's going to take it on board, deal with it, and then walk into the board and go, right, here's my opportunity to get back in the position of power that I've had for the last 15 years. So I'm kind of glad they did the shortened version of this where we don't see the full conversation. I'm sure there were some tears that we didn't see, but uh, but she takes it in her stride and moves on uh, in a way, but still comes back to it when she's in, uh, when she has that moment that, that we were talking about earlier on. Absolutely. And she doesn't know that he's died twice. So... 12 years have lapsed. He's slept in a hyperbaric chamber. The kale juice, um, I mean, you're going to have to look at Joan Collins to see that you can slowly, slowly age over time, um, <laughs> despite the age. I mean, and actually, you look at his picture on the wall at in Rand Enterprises compared to him now, it seems to be more uh, a choice of her die um, that seems to be the main change. Mm-hmm. Um, like... So 
it's 12 years. He's recovered. He's been looking after himself, exercising and so on. Yeah. But I, I think the underlying unease that she has uh, and maybe questions that she's maybe not asking in case it offends him. Mm-hmm. Like maybe she's just glad to have her father back. So it is. I think it's a conflict for her. And I think she plays it well with unease rather than yeah. uh, anything else. But it might be that that will be directed at Ward, given that he knew about it for 12 years and never said anything to her. Yeah. Um, maybe it will escape it in a different way from her. Yeah. Um, I think she's already she's already blamed Harold for putting that pressure on Ward because she's seen how much he's cracked in the last couple of months. Um, she's had to deal with them. She's seen how bad things have gotten for for Ward. So I don't know whether there'll be any repercussions on Ward. She'll obviously mention to him, why didn't you depend on me and why didn't you talk to me about it? Uh, But she's already kind of said that to Harold as well. And he said he couldn't. He said Ward wasn't able to. So um, I don't think if we do see, when we do see Ward again, we didn't see him in this entire episode and he's been so central. It was, you definitely miss uh, Ward in an episode. Um, So yeah, so I'm sure when we see him again, there'll be be a discussion. Uh, But I think it'll be more throwing the arms around him and going now i realize what you've been going through um kind of kind of uh, discussion but that's the top five points about the episode uh, any notes that would need to be covered off before we uh, before we close out the episode chris but just before i get into that guys this is why i love doing this podcast because neither of those options in my head it was just like this is annoying why are they doing this and as we've just discussed this part i'm like actually yeah okay i can i can see it from your view and i kind of enjoy that more now that scene so thank you very cool. Very cool. Speaking of Harold, can I just say one thing? Apparently dying in a bog and coming back to life <laughs> can regenerate your finger. Interesting, yeah. I th- it could have been also the special sauce in the hot dog maker's cart that he put his hand into the boiling water and all of a sudden you get part of your finger back. It's a hot dog. It's not really his finger. (laughs) (laughs) How did that get there? Oh, yeah, this works. It's made Uh, from mechanically recovered pork. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This was just a little kind of, I I suppose we'll call it a a goof, uh, an oops. Um, They haven't touched on that. I would like them to if they would if this happened is like if they zoom in on his hands again to the level that they did in this episode, mm-hmm. they may want to see him go. Didn't I lose it? Oh, and then that could explain future, uh, like decapitations or kind of losing of body parts and still, kind of growing the actor like for ex- for example, if he loses an arm in some grand battle at the end, mm-hmm. does he suddenly in the next series? get it back and that's how they can still do it without green screening uh, the actor's arm <laughs> I, I think it's going to be more more specific than that I think we're going to see it with an actress where she will get an injury she may lose an arm something like that and it will grow back and there will be a reason for it now uh, but yeah I think it's I think it's entirely possible that we'll see it mentioned when for example Ward meets back up with Harold uh, and notices that the finger is not uh, not gone i think we, we will hopefully get a mention of it there but yeah good catch uh, i wasn't looking out for it at the time but yeah the, definitely the second time i saw the episode i uh, i noticed it pretty quickly good stuff and one more note um i i, I kind of alluded to this fact in the, at the end of the last episode with the episode title um being um uh, black tiger steals harsh and how that could be 
about potentially Colleen and the the breaking or stealing, quote unquote, of Danny's heart. Um, yeah, we got this. Fu- this was fully realized in this episode. Yeah. Um, so again, this is couldn't find a kung fu move that was attached to this. You may have noticed we I kind of find it hard. Um, so again, if any of our listeners are uh, kung fu fanatics and you figured out and can video some of these moves, <laughs> we will put it in our hundredth episode or at least on the Facebook group. Um, but yeah, so I think this is the black-haired Colleen, i.e., the tiger, the the daughter of the dragon, the a stealing Danny's heart. Right. Yeah. Breaking. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things I did notice, I've been reading the new series of uh, of Iron Fist comic books. As I've said, I'm the uh, I'm the one that doesn't know much about Iron Fist at all. But one of the things I noticed when reading the new comic books, which are really really enjoyable, by the way, um, is that every time there's a move done when Danny's fighting another master, uh, these types of titles appear in the corner explaining what moves he's doing when he's fighting the other master. They just kind of appear on the page uh, as descriptors of what's going on in the scene, which I think is quite cool. So that's entirely possible. That's the reason why they're being used. I know we we said in the past that they are Kung Fu moves. Uh, We know that, but we can't find the Kung Fu moves themselves because there's thousands and thousands of different Kung Fu moves. Um, It's just interesting that in the comic books, they're actually calling them out every time the actual the characters are battling. Cool. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it's a really interesting choice of of making sure that the reader knows, uh, you know, what the moves are and so on. And yeah, again, it's reminiscent of of the titles of Iron Fist. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think we've covered all the uh, notes and points about the episode there. So I guess that leaves us with our defense. Chris, do you defend this episode of Iron Fist? I do. This this was a return to form of the Netflix universe that I liked. This was the culmination of some theories, some storytelling that I enjoyed. Bar, obviously, as I said in that last point, the joy story part. Just, But again, now actually I'm seeing a new light. It was just a very strong episode. The direction, the fighting in the hallway was really one of the better fights adding into the courtyard scene seeing this double team that i wanted to to okay i had imagined it being danny and colleen we probably won't get that now mm-hmm. but it was a great if a vi, the, the visual i had in my head it, it was that it was that back-to-back kung fu fight everybody was kung fu fighting how have we not done that so far <laughs> but anyway let's continue on um Additionally, the, 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 the Golden Age Iron Fist introduction, the, the legacy there, and then the expansion of this Davos mystery. And then the ending for me was just that final frame of Danny slumped against the pole, Davos standing with his back to him, mm-hmm. a, a yellowing sunset with the Rand We Are Here For You billboard. Like, that was cinematography. Mwah. <laughs> like, that for me was just fantastic. Now, is this the best episode of a Marvel Netflix show? No, but for a series where I've been petering on defend, not defend, defend, not defend, um, in terms of some episodes, this for me was a strong delivery. That's all I can put it down to. It's just the characters, the acting is all now starting to pay off. Yes, episode 10 paying off, that is slightly longer than we usually want, but it's still paying off, and I'm quite happy about that. So, yes, I defend this episode. Excellent. 
So, Derek, do you defend this episode of Iron Fist? Yeah, I highly defend this episode. This is really, really good. This is the kind of uh, sequences I've wanted to see in the entire series. Re- really, really good. And, like, the, only, the only drawback for me is that I wish some of these moments had happened earlier on in the season. I think you mentioned it, John, actually, taking, taking the point out from under me a little bit. But, um, but, yeah, I kind of wish we'd had some of these moments with Colleen earlier on in the season or just some of the, some of the discussions we're calling in Bakuto or Bakuto and, and Madame Gao earlier on in the season to have all of these reveals in episode 10 about what's going on, more detail behind the hand, uh, more of the detail that maybe Kunlun isn't as upfront and honest with Danny as he thought they were, um, having him question his connection with Kunlun. A lot of this stuff could, could have been earlier on in the season, but I really enjoyed it overall. I think the episode itself was a was a, a really good episode for this season definitely and john do you defend season one episode 10 of iron fist black tiger steals heart oh i certainly do this is i think up there with uh one of my other favorites i'm giving this four and a half epi pens out of five <laughs> um yeah for me this this looked back with the black and white uh footage to previous Iron Fists, you know, giving a little doff of the cap to to the comics as well and to the costume. Um, it gave intrigue with, you know, what's going to happen next uh, between Colleen and Danny, Danny and Davos, but even a bit of intrigue there with Daryl and quite what Bakuto uh, stabbed into the side of, of Danny as he fled this compound. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you you know, you have a big betrayal there of, of Colleen and Danny's reaction to it, which, again, was, you know, really good. Gao, again, on form from a screen. Um, again, always looking for the advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this character. And I really like Bakuto. I think... For, you know, revealing who he was, his motives, his intentions, and just that arc of this whole um, episode between him and, and Danny from sort of a, a welcoming friend and mentor of Colleen's through to being a the leader of the hand or a hand faction, I should say, um, trying to justify his organization's role and what it does in conflict with Danny's uh teachings of the hand from Kunlun really really good um, again Harold on top form here uh, with his little um, run in with Lawrence you know Harold won Lawrence nil um, <laughs> for me really really good strong episode of, of Iron Fist with that, I think it's on to our feedback. Of course, remember, you can leave feedback uh, by email at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can leave a voicemail over on our website at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Of course, there's always our Facebook page and group to join just search defenders tv podcast come in and join all the comments the chats the discussions on iron fist and all things marvel related and of course we are there on twitter tweeting away to our heart's content at defenders cast please um share and follow us on twitter but i think we have a voicemail from one of our listeners claire payne Hello Defenders, this is some feedback for episode 9. I would like to rename the episode Who Knew Ice Cream Could Be Deadly. Um, Harold's return was excellent. I loved the way he just walked around the streets of New York looking gleefully at hot dog stands, 
water fountains and then eventually coming back to the company himself. Um, his reunited with Joy was also really good. You could just tell that he hadn't seen her for 12 for 12 years and Joy is definitely a character that has grown on me I think from about episode five I kind of no I, I, I do like Joy it's also um, a great episode between Claire and Madame Gao and also the poisoning of Colleen and how Baruco helped Danny use his iron fist in a different way to then Danny realise that he could actually use the the power of the iron fist and also the little story between the head of the hatchet men and ward about the shepherd and like the history of um this person who kept coming back to life um overall an excellent episode definitely one of my favorites in the series so far thank you very much Thank you, Claire, so much for that voicemail and, and feedback. Absolutely, I, I thought it was a really powerful scene um, with with Harold and Joy as he he kind of invites her up by opening up the the, the elevators mm. into the apartment, and certainly from him that emotion you could see it there, you know, and and it links back to that the time where he. Uh, is rewarded by Madame Gao with a glimpse of Joy uh, from across the street. He obviously has a favourite, uh, and it is Joy Meacham. Uh, and, and I think uh, that really came across in in that that scene where where they hug. Definitely. Yeah. No. And I I kind of had to say I, I really enjoyed this feedback, especially the ice cream killer part. Um, <laughs> the more and more I'm seeing this, then I'm like, yes, it is. Like I've seen some uh, very funny gifts and imagery mm-hmm. um, across the interwebs um, and now it would make so much more sense than I understand <laughs> it um, because it, someone went spoilers and I, I ended up accidentally seeing it and I was like spoilers for what? And I was like, ah. The Hatchet Man scene again, yeah, I did enjoy that as well and um, I'm not right there with you right now on Joy um, but I think I'm hot and I'm cold with Joy. Right. Is the best way of saying it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for that feedback, Claire. Great to hear from you again. If anybody else wants to leave a voicemail for us, as John said, just go onto the website, go to DefendersTVPodcast.com, click on the send voicemail button and leave us your voicemail. You can also record by any other method of recording that you want to. Attach it to an email and send it in to us over at feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. We're getting into our last three episodes, so if you have any thoughts on the entire series of Iron Fist that you'd like us to talk about on our final episode uh, as we come as we come up to it uh, email those into feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com but to ensure we're not spoiled just make sure that you mark it whether it's full season feedback just mark it on there uh, come join us on the facebook group as john mentioned on facebook.com slash groups slash defenders tv podcast they always get the best discussions out of us after the podcast so uh, so you'll get to hear other thoughts that we don't talk about on the podcast definitely absolutely and of course remember always that you can subscribe to us at DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes or on any other good or evil podcast. Just search Defenders TV Podcast, subscribe, and if you so wish, leave a review. And of course, we'll be back on Tuesday, the 18th of April, with our review of I'm Fist, Season 1, Episode 11, Lead Horse Back to Stable. Our 100th episode, yes. Absolutely, 100 and counting. Oh yeah, it's going to be good. We are a, a wee 
young sprite of a hundred year old. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. I'm pretty sure they can do all the jigs. Uma hip. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. We're all coming on walking canes on this episode. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. Great to have you with us again for Defenders TV podcast. We'll talk to you again very soon. Absolutely. As always, thank you so much for listening and we will speak with you next time. See you later. See you later, guys. Hasta luego. Bye.